Hello, Jamie from Community Notice Board here. Just letting you know that we now have a Patreon. So for $5, you can get extra content. We will be putting bonus episodes out on Thursday fortnightly. Alex, what are some of the episodes about? Uh, just stuff we've missed on other episodes. Just weird stuff we wouldn't want to publicly uh, be putting out there for everyone to hear. Just crazy, fun stories, stuff like that. We got some hot goss. We got some. We're doing some history of comedy stuff. We're doing all sorts. Uh, again, five bucks a month. Just search community notice board, Patreon, any combination of those into Google will find you. Uh, plus, we have a link in our uh, Insta bio. I think. Yep. Jack. All right. Sweet. All right. Enjoy the episode. Oh, See Hello and welcome along to the community notice board. That's it. At least you won't be in the shower while Jamie tries to piss this time. So. We can figure something out. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to another episode of Community Notice Board, a podcast about suburbs we grew up in, local landmarks, hometown heroes, and coming-of-age tales. we got a very special guest today. Oh, my God. And we're going to a very special place. It's Sab. Sabs is here. Yeah. You might have heard the name Sabs. Sabs is at her house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how special the guest is. We're like, oh, who's around? Uh, is someone living here with us? Hello. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Hello. Hi, I'm Sabs. And I'm we're out. doing, what are we doing? Berkeley. Oh, we're doing Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. doing yes. Berkeley. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, jewel of the California university system. So, yes, Sabs, when, yeah, when did you go to Berkeley? So I went in 2015 in the spring semester, so that's January, mm-hmm. um, but they do like a full year, so the first of the year is like in fall, so it starts the year ahead. So I wasn't there for like American football season or Halloween, but I was there for like basketball mm. and spring break, so yeah. Ooh. Does that mean everyone started their classes and you were coming in halfway? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic, <laughs> classic cool. Everyone's move. got their clicks together. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do want to. So, uh, for all the listeners, uh, Subs is a sister of fellow uh, comedian B Barber Scholar, mm-hmm. and um, B had some interesting thoughts about you uh, when she found out you're on this pod, and she said uh, that she wanted to send through a little voice memo yeah, about yeah, you yeah. because. So you went there. At, how old were you when you went to Berkeley? I was twenty. And uh, so this is her thoughts about about you at the time. So, um, I'll give you like some funny things that you guys can like talk about um, on the pod, like to kind of bring up how crazy and insufferable she was during that time. Um, like one of my favorite <laughs> quotes of uh, Sabs during that time is she's like. The thing about Berkeley is that (laughs) they work hard, but they also play hard. (laughs) And I just think that's really funny. She was obsessed. Oh, no. It took you half a year and you became a thing about Berkeley person? (laughs) Yeah, apparently you did. Do you agree? Yeah, I was. I I feel like I was more insufferable pre-Berkeley. I feel like. That's something right. she hasn't touched on. So. It's because you worked hard, but you didn't play hard. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly right. Like, I feel like before Berkeley, I was like, you know, so indie and alternative, and I only listened to my music. And then if I If you've to- ever met Sabs and you heard the music she was into, like, weren't you into like Slipknot and stuff? <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that was so indie, I was in a disturbed <laughs> Slipknot. Rattle right, right off some of your band. And then. 
Who are you into? Well, I was like heavily into 80s thrash metal, <laughs> like Anthrax and like, shit. Yeah, and um, like Megadeth and then. Oh my god! It's so funny. I can't. Pi- I can't. I, I cannot, cannot picture it. I mean, I can picture it, but it is funny to call label it like, yeah, I'm kind of like an indie kid, carrying <laughs> 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 my book bag around with my Megadeth pin on it. No, but then once I was at Berkeley, it was like you know full twist and you I was just like basic bitch like <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> you, you had to glow up I, I so I lived at International House on Greek Row so like with all the fraternities and everything and we would go away like every single weekend like it was just yeah like literally that mentality of work hard play hard right. mm-hmm. um and so International House was all the international students they put them all in one house yeah and then all the other um, Frat. So it's proper like Greek fraternity yeah, and bullshit. And so they say, yeah. you're a basic bitch now. They hand you a Starbucks Frappuccino. <laughs> and they say, you have to have pumpkin this spice. in your hand. Oh, they, fucking you have to have this pumpkin spice yeah. to this day. You have to have this in your hand every day. That's right. <laughs> Did you walk in fully garbed out in like Slipknot stuff and then realize quickly like, oh, fuck, I better turn this around? Or no, no, you no, figured no. it out before? No, I feel like that like that Slipknot stuff had toned down. And that's why I said- <laughs> Was this pre or post you uh, Joker makeup for Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> There's a f- have you seen that photo no. of Sab? So she's dressed as the Joker going to Halloween. Why, um, why so serious? <laughs> <laughs> Is this just going to become an hour of you bullying Oh, yeah. Sorry, I think I just going to get the worst reviews ever. <laughs> it's just like, they seem like such cool guys. They wouldn't let her talk. Everything they said, they laughed at her. I'm just trying to set the scene for this, like, for this dork. It's a very, like, she's all that-ish thing where you're, like, you're a dorky, yeah, into thrash Well, I guess that's the question. Were you, was it a conscious, like, I'm going to Berkeley, it's reinvention time? No, 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 no. I feel like I just, because like when I was in Sydney, I was like living at home. I was like working, like tutoring and then retail. And then I was doing unpaid internships, law school, volunteer work. It was just crazy. And I was like, I need to go on exchange. And like for me, America was always like, I just want to have that mm. classic college experience. Yeah, totally. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, when I got into like Berkeley, I was like, oh my God, like this is such a great school. But I feel like I hadn't fully done my research into like what it was going to be like, which I think was good because then I didn't have too many like preconceptions. I think I could have like really wigged myself out about it because, um, you know, (laughs) like Berkeley's a college town, but it's in between like Oakland and Richmond. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's like, you know, crime that goes into those areas and then there was like campus police with these massive guns and stuff so it was a real like culture shock and then of course like san francisco is like the city um so the homelessness and just that kind of aspect oh that still spins me out like yeah. we have homelessness here but then you go to america and you're like oh, it's jesus like yeah. seeing like a tent city and stuff it's fucking grim but mm. berkeley because when we went back and we, we drove through it was out out of season whatever you call it in holidays but we went through the berkeley campus and it's like yeah it's pristine it looks incredible so it must be some little like oasis amongst some of these mm. other areas that are a bit when I, rough around the edges in like 2011 or something or 20, 2010 me and some friends went and stayed like virtually on the ucla campus that's right like near beverly hills yeah and it, again was in a, like an airbnb but it was in greek row so it was across the road from this big frat house and then you go like a couple of streets over and it's just it looks like national lampoons animal house like just mm-hmm. massive houses all these like dudes party and stuff 
And then you go in and... Just thinking, you know that scene in The Simpsons where those kids are partying and Homer gradually goes towards them <laughs> and then goes the other way? That's Drew going into <laughs> those frat I, I, I was 20 years old. <laughs> I wasn't fucking last year, which I would have done. Yeah, exactly. That's what you would have done. Um, but the, like the, the sporting, like the arena where they played football, all the lawns, like the campus, they, they're incredible. Like mm. just, it's nuts. Stunning. Yeah. Um, and so, so you were on frat. What Greek Road or what Greek Road? So yeah. all the frats were there. So tell us about because you were saying there's like these rush parties or something. What, what's all that about? Yeah, yeah. So and this so this all happens in that fall semester. Is like um, people rush for sororities and fraternities, and then they have to do like all the rituals and the hazing. Like that's when all that comes in. And so um, some of my friends had like done that the semester before, um, but they got kicked out of rush for <laughs> various reasons <laughs> like it's very strict and I think like you know like I, it's such a weird culture like you're not technically like the sororities aren't meant to drink but then there's such like a drinking hazing culture vibe about it um and so my friends had also like done that whole um fake ID underage drinking thing yeah the and 21 thing throws me out all yeah. the time because yeah. you were how old 20 yeah I was 20 yeah. so I'd been drinking legally for ages and I couldn't like just go down so yeah it's so it's bizarre, bizarre. Yeah. yeah yeah so um my friends had been like kicked out of pubs and like arrested and then they had to go to um court in Oakland <laughs> and because I was like a law student at the time they were like please come and, like, represent us. And I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, I am not getting involved <laughs> with this. Ladies and gentlemen of uh, the jury. Ladies yeah, and gentlemen yeah. of this supposed jury. Yeah. It's, like, a completely different, like, legal system. You're yeah. um, so not a lawyer. You're just a law student. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. funny when you're, like, that young. You just think if someone's a law student, they know the law. Yeah, and yeah. the law is, like, one handbook you can flip it's through. It's Dennis DeNudo stuff. Where it's yeah, like, you know, you're a lawyer, right? You know, yeah. I can... You can represent me <laughs> and um, like yeah so so and it was an australian friend right like yeah. he, he he got kicked out and had to go to court in oakland yeah yeah that must have been Which fucking terrifying but like um yeah and then so then they had to do community service and meanwhile i was like oh yeah like i'll get a fake id i'll go to vegas on this fake ID. <laughs> like no lessons learned like Jeez. what was going on did like, you have a fake name um so like i met this girl like three days in and um, someone was like, oh, my God, that girl looks so much like you. Like, she just had brown hair, brown skin. <laughs> like, and she had, like, a proof of age and her license. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's not even, like, a fake idea. It's a real person's idea, but it's just not me. Mm-hmm. Um, so You can just never go to the same venue. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, your sister's cool. You're a rocker. So, <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, so I used that. Um, so, like, yeah, so that was pretty sweet in vegas as well Yeah, in vegas which is and it worked every time it was crazy and because i think because i was with like a bunch of international students so anytime the like security guards like deciphering my irish friend's passport and my turkish friend's passport they're like oh this is a real california id here you go yeah did you affect Um, an accent just to like sell it oh i had adopted the accent that's like right that's like i still like say like i know you get mad because I'm like the gas station. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, shut up. What the fuck are you talking about? The gas station. And the other thing that B said uh, through, uh, she also said that you really strict on not saying San Fran. 
Yeah. It's like, that's not a local spoke. That's local. what the tourists say. Yeah. Because if you're a local, you just call it the city. Because <laughs> 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 it's like, it's like. And how many people yeah. did you tell that subsequently when you returned home? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. I, so, so they, they like warned us like, oh, you may have. <laughs> you may have a punish. Yeah, you're going to become real fucking annoying. <laughs> 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 no, literally, they said you may have some Reverse culture shock. Um, and so that's like after you've like had this amazing like and so like it wasn't just Berkeley. At the end of Berkeley, I did like a five-week road trip through Canada and the US. So it was like um eleven states in twenty-six days, like just in nature. Like it was amazing. We don't call it Canada, we call it Uppy. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then when I got back, I was just like back at home with my parents, like just oh, it was like it was just bad. You're like it's uh, a gas station, <laughs> mom. <laughs> mom. Like total semesters in Berkeley. Mm. Was it just one year, just, like two semesters? No, no, like one semester. One semester. <laughs> so you six crammed, months. Yeah. So you crammed a whole college experience in the six months. Because yeah. I mean, you did. That's You've the best been to way Vegas, to do it. You got fake ID. I did spring break in Cabo, Mexico. Which oh fuck yeah! Wow. Did you go to the frog place? Is it what is it? Uh, <laughs> Fuck, is it Senor Frogs? Oh, France? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Those frogs? No, I went to Carbo. It's the Fredo so. Frog Outlet store. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. What is it? Uh, so I think it's called Senor Frogs. Oh, I went to Carbo. Oh, because right. I remember like that's a place where like kids can drink when they're 20. So like all these kids from LA were just like, oh, fuck, here we go. And we were just like, we were 23 at the time. So we were just like doesn't matter to us because mexico's 18 right yeah think? and yeah Fuck. but so did you know about that because i would fucking hate going there and like not being able to drink but or is it just like there's just ways around it even on campus everyone just drinks there's no yeah, you well, don't like, i guess again i didn't really think about it but like my friends would like go and buy me a bottle of wine or whatever mm. um and then yeah we just went out Went on a lot of like weekends away, so just like drink like big house parties and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then yeah, when I went to Canada, that a uh, drinking age was nineteen, I think, so that was fine. Yeah, right. yeah. And then when I came back to LA after that road trip, I turned twenty one in um in LA. Right. Okay. It is right. interesting. Do you think you could cop it? Say you're twenty, and you know. That the drinking age is 21 but you can go there and you know that you'll drink the whole time but it'll just be house parties you can never just go down to the bottle for a six-pack and you can never just go to the pub like are you, are you being like well fuck yeah it's house parties yeah. baby well that's all i did at 20. yeah like, I didn't, yeah I didn't exactly i wasn't yeah. going like i wasn't you know hanging out at the bar like drinking uh, by myself and reading a book for three and a half hours. <laughs> that's a thirties thing. Yeah, that's a cool sure. older guy thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah spin it that way. Yeah. the thing but about Sydney is, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel I feel like it's still it'd be a hassle and it'd be annoying. Yeah, I remember going into Sydney with a fake ID when I was like sixteen or seventeen because I had that I, I don't know how this worked, but I had my learner's license and I was born in eighty six and I scratched the um bottom no what did i scratch the side of the six off so it looked like ah. a five uh -huh. right like yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you think about it like that so it was 85 and it looked pretty shit but it looked better than maybe you're thinking but it also looked on any closer inspection like if they were just like yep yep but if they went 
like one second more, yeah. I was done for. And it was panic stations because it was, um, I think because we thought we could always sort of get into places in Newey when you're that age. Like, mm. like you just go in, you know, you're not, it's not always a bounce at the door at a pub, right? Mm. But in Sydney there was. So the whole trip you up to Sydney, you're just sitting there like panicking because you're like, this could be all over. And I got other mates here and like, you know, so it was a bit of anxiety. And they take your license. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then you'd be done. And then I got to go to court and get some, yeah, yeah, get, yeah get someone who's read a law book. Young law student. <laughs> well, I did want to say this because I feel like it's a uh, it's a it's a very prestigious university. Obviously, like historically, Sandy Cohen went there from the OC. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to go That's through some, of, some of the <laughs> alumni, <laughs> and you've led with my big hitter up top. Uh, it really stepped on my toe there, James. But um, uh, um, notable alumni, um, yeah, very. Um, you know, in the news, Ro- Oppenheimer was there. Um, J. Robert Oppenheimer. There you go. And, um, and Ernest Lawrence, who was like, he's in the movie as well. Oppenheimer's uh, Cillian Murphy. Josh Hartnett plays Ernest Lawrence. Couple, couple absolute babes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sabs thinks Cillian Murphy's hot. I know that. And I'm yeah, he's not, a good and I'm guy. Yeah, he's a good looking um, guy. So they're, those guys, and they, and they, he, and that Lawrence was, he founded, like, he invented the cyclotron. So they found 16 elements of the periodic table at Berkeley. Jeez. Which is like ten percent of the fucking thing. Yeah, and the, but they're all like the weird ones at the end, where it's like technium and uh, Berke- There's one called Berkeleyanum. You know what <laughs> I mean? They're just they're looking. They're just around. hoping no one's checking into that. Californianum. One. You know, Einsteinium. So they're all these weird, stupid ones at the end. But um, also who went there? Tom from MySpace. Ah, hey, there you that's go. Cool. Pretty cool. Ted Kaczynski. Okay, not so, cool. not so cool. Not so cool. different. Will, <laughs> William Hung from American Idol. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very cool. Love William Hung. Uh, yeah. You can see a theme emerging of these people. <laughs> not really. Um, and here's an interesting guy you won't know him, um, George Danzing, but he was a guy in 1939. He was a, in, a, um, in some sort of science-ish class and a uh, bit of a misunderstanding in his class. Near the beginning of the class, the professor wrote two problems on the blackboard Danzing arrived late and assumed they were a homework assignment. Um, he seemed a little harder than normal, Danzing thought, so he solved them, brought them back in, and the professor told him, uh, actually, it wasn't homework. They were two of the most famous unsolved problems in statistics, oh. which is the basis of Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Goodwill right? Hunting. Yeah. So that actually happened to a guy at um, Berkeley. So, yeah, he solved them. And, and then... Man, that, that is crazy. Yeah, and the professor was like, he was like, this guy was like, trying to think of a thesis topic and the professor was like, just fucking wrap that up in a binder and give it to me. That'll do it. Like he just nailed it. So he just did homework and so, and did a whole year's worth of work. Fuck. So yeah, like, so that was, uh, that was a guy there as well. But I wanted to bring this up um, because they have a lot of really um, um, interesting, like, it, you know, it's very, very scientific and uh, illustrious, but there's some weird, I saw one of the classes they offer there at Berkeley is arguing with Judge Judy. <laughs> Popular logic on TV judge shows. <laughs> that rocks. I'll read the, the description of this class. TV judge shows are all over daytime TV. Are these shows presenting a perversion of our legal system or a look into that system? A fascinating aspect of TG, TV judge shows from a rhetorical point of view is a number of arguments made by the litig- litigants that are utterly illogical or are perversions of standard logic and are yet used over and over again. For example, when asked, did you hit the plaintiffs? plaintiff, respondents often say, if I would have hit him, he would have been dead. <laughs> this reply they of, often say that. I've never heard anyone on Judge Judy say that. It's always Judge Judy. It's always about someone who's knocked a fence over. Or yeah, something it's like, like that. small claims. Yeah, court, yeah, yeah. This, revo- this reply avoids answering yes or no. Um, 
and perverts the forms of logical strategy, da da da. And it says, um, it just goes on for ages about this. And then it says, this is not a course about law or legal reasoning. Students who are interested in logic, argument, TV, and American popular culture will probably be interested in the course. I emphasize this is not except in passing, about the application of law or operations of court system in general. There's a cause at Berkeley yeah. going on about fucking Judge Judy. That oh, rocks. No, I did like um, a history of social movements class. Like mm. they, And they also had, um, so that was like about Woodstock and like just rhetoric, like media rhetoric and all that. Mm. But then they also had these things called decals, um, which is like just random classes that you could do for just like one unit, right. like to make up your... Um, like the full if whatever. If you failed like, a class or something, or no, 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 like so, like say you had to like take twelve. I can't remember how many you have to do, but say you have to take twelve, and then you've like it's kind of like HSE, like you could do an elective that's like one unit, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And okay. so they have like very obscure, like one unit classes right. on just like anything, anything. like yeah. So yeah. someone could do a part. Uh, like a community course about a community yeah. notice board, a deep dive into the hottest That's riffs. my retirement plan, become a professor of community <laughs> notice board at Berkeley. <laughs> That's your plan? <laughs> it's gone well so far, 100 and something episodes. Oh, fucking hell. Um, I wanted to bring up because, um, and you, you may have even studied this in the social movements thing, but one, like Berkeley is famous for like, you know, Oppenheimer era, it's all technology. And even today, there's so much like Silicon Valley bullshit coming out of there. But in the 60s and 70s, it's like the hippie school. That's mm. the cliched mm. Berkeley's like, all right, you know. When Sandy Cohen went there, I think. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> he had long hair, longer hair. Yeah. Um, and two people that I wanted to talk about, um, and just kind of the whole counterculture in general that came out of there, uh, Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman. You guys, I don't know if they you guys ring a bell, but I don't know who they are. Um, they were the two founding members of the Youth International Party called the Yippies. They were like mm. a hippie, post hippie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, like a countercultural movement, super anti Vietnam War, as everyone was back in that sort of era, very, well, n- very 60s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have been. The summer to stop the Reds. Um, and, th- and these guys were like the perfect, they, they were the perfect split between the old left and the new left, where it was like, you know, back then they were just. It was all economic uh, class bullshit. And mm-hmm, then that, mm-hmm. these guys came through and they're like, no, it's about identity and this and that. Free love and all that shit. Free love. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they're kind of relevant to like the way politics is today because they um, super embraced pop culture in a way that hadn't been done before in leftist politics. Um, so Hoffman, Abby Hoffman famously said that he wanted to combine the styles of Andy Warhol and Fidel Castro. Mm. So that's the vibe of these two dudes. Okay. I'll give you a quick rundown. Abby, uh, born in 36 in Worcester, Massachusetts. Comfortable middle-class upbringing. Classic radical. During his school days, he became known as a troublemaker who started fights, played pranks, vandalized school property, and referred to teachers by their first names. Oh, wow. Scandalous Labor stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, in his second year, he was uh, expelled from classical high school and now closed public high uh, in Worcester. As an atheist, Hoffman wrote a paper declaring that God could not possibly exist, for if he Ooh. did, there wouldn't be any suffering in the world. Got him. <laughs> What's your retort? A there? young Richard Dawkins emerges. <laughs> um, the irate teacher ripped up the paper and called him a communist punk. Uh, Hoffman then jumped on the teacher and started fighting him until he was restrained and removed from the school. Um, on June 3, 1954, 17-year-old Hoffman was arrested for the first time for driving without a license. Uh, after his expulsion, he attended Worcester Academy, graduating in 55. 
Uh, and it says here that he engaged in many typical uh, behaviors typical of rebellious teenagers in the 50s, such as riding motorcycles, wearing leather jackets, and sporting a ducktail haircut. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. You know, okay. A bit of a Fonzie. Yeah, okay. Um, if you can picture that. And then we got Jerry, Jerry Rubin, born in 38 in Ohio. He had a bit more of a tougher life. He's not just like the rich kid who's like, you know, LARPs as a um, radical. He His dad was a trucker and like a teamster, union official. Mum was just a homemaker. Both of them died within 10 months of each other, leaving him as the sole care of his little brother. Um, and he tried to take his brother to India, but all the relatives like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, like, not you're not 17. the first thing that it was a new parent. <laughs> yeah, <so you're> like, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think because, you know, it's in the hippie era, like everybody loved that spirituality yeah, coming out of India and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Relatives sued for custody, but they ended up coming to an agreement and he was allowed to take him to Israel where he worked on a kibbutz <laughs> and studied sociology. Was so a compromise. Well, his brother stayed in Israel and like just lived on this kibbutz for the rest of his life oh. from what I could gather. Um, so yeah, these two guys, they meet each other at Berkeley. They're all, all like in that sort of swirl. And Berkeley's even then it's like, it's hard to get into, right? Like it's, it's a, Good universe, but it's it's they it's must be smart kids, yeah. right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's public, it's but it's public funded. It's not like a shit. Yeah, it's like the number one public university. <laughs> right. So it's not Ivy League, but it's yeah, up it's there. It's not private. So like Stanford and um and Berkeley. No, no, Stanford's a private. Oh, okay, yeah. right, right, right. But public, yeah. So, but it's not like it's a prestigious. It's school. A prestigious yeah. school. Yeah. You got to yeah. be pretty clever. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's not like they're going to some shitty state school mm-hmm. in Detroit. Um. So these two guys, they meet there at Berkeley. They start to um, form the what becomes the Yippies. Uh, but the whole thing, right, like I said earlier, is they become known for like what are effectively publicity stunts. But the, in their mind, they're raising Flash people's consciousness. Exactly. It's like it's so cliche oh now, but at the time, they're like, this is how we change the world, baby. Planking. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like it's like Andy Kaufman, but instead of doing it for laughs, they're trying to ferment a revolution, right? <laughs> so here's some instances where uh, uh, you know just some stuff they've done. So when Ruben was subpoenaed by the House Un-American Activities Committee, he didn't plead the fifth, which was common. Instead, he entered the room dressed in a rented 18th century American Revolutionary War uniform, proudly claiming to be a descendant of Jefferson and Payne, telling the committee that nothing is more American than revolution. So I want to like, beat this guy up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he also blew soap bubbles as members of Congress questioned his communist affiliations. Um, well, why was he members of Congress? Was this like because he was? This is in McCarthy, right? He was dragged okay, before Hugh right. Act to be I like this was at the uni. You're a commie. Like, well, right. he was a student at the time, right? And but yeah, he was just going around being like, I love. Um, yeah, he was. He wasn't just like anti-Vietnam War. He was like, no, I'm pro North Vietnamese. Like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um. And so we did a bunch of stuff like that. Ruben and Hoffman actually both together. This one, I think, made them kind of like get a bit of a profile, public profile. They um, got some fame off um, going to the New York Stock Exchange together with a little group. And they all, they got some money. um, And they said it wasn't that much, but they like padded it out with fake money. And they got up right up to the top and just threw it all down. And then all the stockbrokers are going mental and they'd start grabbing it and trying to fight over the money. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, (laughs) That's more of a classic prank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one, I don't know how you'll feel about this because a lot of it at the time you can be like, all right, nobody would have done that before. But with the benefit of hindsight and what's like sort of cliche and played out now, it's all very, this one reads a little, to me in the year 2023, it's a little bit, all right, Boaty McBoatface, you fucking lame (laughs) cunts. But at the time I think it could have been kind of funny. So this is direct quote from Wikipedia. 
Uh, yet another successful act in Yippie's guerrilla theatre was when, during the Democratic National Convention of 1968, the Youth International Party nominated their own candidate for the presidency. The, the nominee was Pigasus the Immortal, a 66-kilo pig that they felt was an appropriate alternative to Richard Nixon, Vice President Hubert Humphrey, and Alabama Governor George Wallace. At the official introductions at Pigasus' uh, first press conference, Reuben, while holding the candidate in his arms, demanded that he be given Secret Service protection and be brought to the White House for a, fo- a foreign policy briefing. He also promised, on behalf of Pigasus, a fair election campaign, and if Pigasus won the, uh, won the election, he would be eaten. Uh, this would, maintained Reuben, reverse the usual democratic process in which the pig is elected and proceeds to eat the people. Oh, <laughs> man. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> bacon bullshit. Uh, uh, so uh, this, this one, this is kind of, there's two big things that they ended up being co- becoming famous for. The first one is the March on the Pentagon. This happened in October 21, 67. Um, there's a huge demonstration at the Lincoln Memorial, big anti-war protests, 100,000 people protesting there. Um, and this is, do you remember in Forrest Gump, that scene where Forrest speaks and, it, and the microphone goes out and nobody hears him, but there's that huge thing that's based directly on this. Mm. And the guy in the American flag shirt, who's like, that was beautiful, man. That's Jerry Rubin. Oh, like, so in the credits, okay. there's like such and such actor as Jerry, Jerry Rubin. Rubin. Right. Um, so this is against Vietnam or that March on Pentagon was that's, yes, anti-Vietnam. Yep. So that was, that, and that was always going ahead. The plan was we're, we're going to get as many people together to protest against this war. But nine months earlier, a bunch of the countercultural icons, so you got Allen Ginsberg, who's like a beat poet, Tim Leary, who's the big LSD psychedelics guy, Hoffman, Rubin, uh, they're all gathered in the San Francisco apartment, the city apartment, of uh, an artist. <laughs> <laughs> of an artist named Michael Bowen, who is, and they're trying to come up with plans for, for this massive protest. And the initial idea was to occupy the Capitol, January, oh, January 6th, okay. guys. <laughs> yep. um, Ruben, Jerry Rubin sensibly thought that that would put people offside as it suggested they wanted to shut down the democratic process. His idea was to march people to the Pentagon as it was the symbol of the war. Mm-hmm. And plus, they're all into like the occult and stuff. So he was like, five symbols, man. That's a occult symbol and all <laughs> yeah, that bullshit. Sure. Um, so there's a bit of a game of one-upmanship going on here. So beat poet Gary Snyder hears this and he says, no, no, no. We should give the Pentagon an exorcism. That would be really, that would be really far out, man. Uh, and then Michael <laughs> Bowen, the, the uh, apartment, you know, the artist whose apartment they gathered in, he goes, okay, what we should actually do is levitate it 300 feet off the ground. Which is this David Blaine's? Well, it's, it's, yeah, they were doing a lot of acid at yeah. the time. That <laughs> needs to be pointed out. Um, There's a great moment. I read this like oral history of it where they were all just talking about that time. And one of the organisers, this dude, Keith Lampy, said, what a charming moment. All of us radicals there suddenly became moderates because Michael really expected to levitate it, whereas the rest of us were merely into a witty media project. <laughs> so it's just like we all became squares because like, well, you can't levitate so it. So yeah. Yeah, no one's pushed back on any stupid idea. Yeah, no, someone's no, like, there's oh, no such magic. thing as a stupid idea here. Um, so it was a total hippie like spectacle kirk is about to have an aneurysm from, from this uh from the article it says on the makeshift altar before the pentagon uh a number of competing rituals began simultaneously to unfold ed sanders of the rock band the fugs delivered an impromptu sexually suggestive invocation punctuated with repeated calls of out demons out Hoffman had his own ideas about the necessary elements of an exorcism. He busied himself pairing up couples to perform public displays of affection that would surround the Pentagon in a communal love while Mayan traditional healers sprinkled cornmeal in circles of powder and Allen Ginsberg declaimed mantras for the cause. 
So he's like there doing like Tibetan chants. There's one guy stuff. setting up people to hook up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, so let's just all hook up. And this like, guy's real horny. And there's a guy being like, out demons, out, like yeah, hump in the fuck. air and shit. There was so much of that where it was like, man, we've got to foment some revolution, but first show me them titties. Yeah. Um, so some of the protesters uh, tried to rush inside the Pentagon and they were prevented. Um, so at this point, like soldiers are gathering, they've sick the army onto them. Tear gas and rifle butts were used to beat back the crowd. Protesters faced down troops with bayonets for hours. And around mi- by midnight, um, the troops chased most of the protesters away. And by the time the 48-hour permit, they had a permit to protest. By the time that expired, approximately 680 protesters had been jailed and 50 had been hospitalised. And there's like footage that came out of it. Like the police were beating the piss out of them, um, or the army rather. But this also spawned one of the most iconic images to come out of the whole hippie movement because Michael Bowen, the artist, had um, shipped 200 pounds of flowers and he was going around putting them in the rifle butts. Mm. So that's where that comes from, is this like yeah, okay. whole Pentagon thing. Um, and then the second thing that they became su- like probably most famous for is the Chicago 8 trial, later the Chicago 7. Oh, we saw that movie. Didn't we? Yeah, there's a, the recent movie came out. There's all those these guys that saw a fucking movie, you know? Or did you not watch that? It's some Netflix movie. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did watch Aaron that. Sorkin yeah, yeah, wrote yeah, yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think thoughts. it's very good from the reviews. Are all very accurate. It's got right? Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, we did watch it. And he might be one of these guys. He could be, yeah. I don't know. He's um, Borat in it. <laughs> <laughs> My wife. <laughs> <laughs> they Basically what happened, there, there were seven defendants charged by the US government with conspiracy, crossing state lines with intent to incite riot and other charges related to... Um, anti-Vietnam protests in Chicago. And this is during the 68 Democratic National Convention. Yeah. Um, who did he play? I'm no, I'm just trying to find it now. I want to see who played Abby Hoffman because he's quite a distinctive looking guy. And I would picture like someone like um, Jason Schwartzman could maybe play him if they put a weird wig on Ricky him. Ricky Gervais, maybe. I don't know, I'm just naming <laughs> British comedians. Um, Abby Hoffman was Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, okay. Eddie Redmayne was Tom Hayden. No, you haven't mentioned him. Jeremy Strong. Um, Succession is Jeremy Strong. Is Jerry Rubin. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, these dudes. Um, yeah, okay. So the whole 60, I don't know, the 68 Nas- National Democratic Convention is where the police like turned on riders again, bat- bash them. Hunter S. Thompson was there. Like it was the biggest like cleave point in between like radicals and conservatives just being like crime is out of control. You know, um, and, and these guys were all part of it and they were, you know, threatening to put LSD in the water, which is another like cliche thing. They're like, but they were actually had a plan to do it, and people like the oh. soldiers had to protect all the water. Um, and the whole trial again, these guys they turn it into a bit of a circus. So Abby Hoffman eventually said about the presiding judge Julius Hoffman, no relation. He goes, um, viewing the trial as a theatrical experience, I had great respect for the judge. He was witty, filled with his own sense of drama, and committed to his role with a furious passion. The part did not call for a Solomon because the law stank. It called for a yippie judge who could play in a real-life political version of the Flintstones. Julie was our man, and together we made it happen. So he's just like treating the whole thing like a joke. Mm-hmm. being like, yeah, you played your part really well there. And he's like, I'm a judge. I'm about to send you to jail, you freak. Um, and... The trial developed into a uh, quiet spectacle or hi- of this hippie gorilla theatre, as Ruben described it. So Ruben, Hoffman and other defenders made a mockery of the court, widely covered by the press, with the New York Times and the Washington Post reporting on it. Ruben, who declared the trial to be the Academy Award of protest, 
at one point paraded back and forth in front of Judge Julius Hoffman, thrusting his arm in a Nazi salute and shouting, Hail Hitler. Another time, he and Hoffman wore judges' robes to court. I think that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that bit. Yeah. Of all the bits, this is my favourite. Frank Langella was the judge, by the way. Who's Frank Langella? Um, you know this guy? He's from... Um, He's been... Yeah, he looks familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so... Cross Nixon. This is why I like this bit. Because it's funny enough to rock up in judges' robes to a judge trial. But then he ordered... The judge ordered both men to remove the robes. And they did... But underneath, they had full police uniforms on. Oh, that's a good. Little extra bit. A little tag, and then you've got you like know. a fireman, yeah, and then you yeah. just go through all the YMCA guys, <laughs> you know. Um, and then the weird twist with Jerry Rubin is later in life, he became a multi-millionaire businessman who turned it around and became like being all about like, no, business is the shit. Forget yeah. Like, so he so um, learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> He Hoffman got arrested on cocaine charges and fled, living for years under the pseudonym Barry Freed in upstate New York, uh, even undergoing plastic surgery to, to change his appearance. He surrendered to authorities in 1980 and served a few months in prison. Um, but then the two of them teamed up after this. They kind of... they. They, a friend show, they, they had like a frenemy relationship after this because Jerry Rubin is just like, no. The, he's like, a sellout. He's a sellout, exactly. He's the OG sellout. But they went on speaking tours called, uh, titled Yuppie vs. Yippie. So mm. they would just debate. And Jerry would be like, no, man, you got to be a yuppie, raise money, and then you can help. Like you got to work within the system. And then he would be like, no, man, you got to blow the system You know they pitched up. a sitcom out oh, of that. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, and then weirdly, Jerry Rubin got hit by a car and died crossing Wiltshire <laughs> Boulevard. Like his apartment in LA, he just... Got smashed by a car. Hoffman suicided, I think, in the 80s. Um, but then in the um, – there's a, a small fun fact I found in that Hoffman <laughs> – Thanks for following that up with us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the Hoffman biography, for the hell of it, Jonah Raskin writes that Abby Hoffman's speaking gigs in the 80s often brought in as much as $100,000 a year, uh, some of which he quietly invested in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Um, so he he wanted – Hoffman wanted to make some money. And <laughs> so he also sold out. Well – but kind of, but basically he did it out of spite because Ra Raskin then quotes Hoffman's stockbroker who said that the old yippie loved the idea of making more money than Jerry Rubin. Mm. So he was like, I don't care about money. I just want to make more money than that fucking prick. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's them, that's them too. Uh -huh. And uh, Norm MacDonald had a classic uh, weekend update joke about Jerry Rubin's death. So he just got smashed by a car and um, Norm MacDonald comes in. This is in 1994. And Norm MacDonald goes... Yippee! Jerry Rubin died last week. Oh, I'm sorry. That should read Yippee! Jerry Rubin died last <laughs> week. <laughs> Which I, I love that. But yeah. yeah, that's those two fucking well, weirdos. Yeah, and and because that's um, that at that campus they would have just been two amongst thousands, thousands. of those sorts of like, and yeah. it still is like a pretty progressive like yeah. institution, right? Well, like again, <laughs> I wasn't there that semester, but the semester before they had like riots and stuff and like people's cars were smashed because like people were just protesting through the streets and everything and they had to like secure international house and everything but then like it had all like quietened down by the time i was there so right. do you know what the protests were about should have just generic, <laughs> <laughs> generic <laughs> protest. i did um i wanted to bring this up um because i think you told me this is all subs but the it's built on like the 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 university is literally on like the fault line, mm, like yeah. Memorial Stadium, which is your your football stadium there, yeah. Golden Bears. Is it Golden Bears? Yes, go Bears. 
Go Bears. Um, <laughs> the it's literally built on the Hayward Fault, whereas like like cuts right through the center of. So theoretically, the it could like Bane out of the Batman movie in the middle. A hundred percent, it could do, and it actually is slowly doing that at a rate of one millimeter a year. It's slowly the stadium itself is slowly coming apart. And I wonder what like the betting return is if you're like a, your team is ahead. 30 seconds to go. The other guy takes off. You're like, fuck. And then it opens up and he falls in the hole. Yeah. Can you still collect on that ticket? If there was a Canberra Raiders version of that <laughs> yeah, team yeah. playing there and they're up 30 to nil. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, oh. I'll be praying for that. Surely we're going to win this. Yeah. I had to sign some crazy waiver because um, International House is so old. So it's just like not like stable at all in an event of an earthquake. Like they were just like. You know, no liability. So it just collapse like yeah, turkey. Yeah. You have to and sign then, your life away. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember like one night, like I, I had gone to bed and my roommate had an exam. And I thought she was like, you know, like studying so hard. She was like erasing something in the bed, like because we were in bunk beds. And I just like explained it away. And then the next morning everyone's like, oh, did everyone feel that earthquake? <laughs> <laughs> How hard and did you like, think she was right? Like, I, know, I was just like, well, like I was so tired and I was just like, bloody like Kristen. <laughs> rubbing away the people in a bed. Damn, she's getting laid over there. <laughs> That's how much nerds they were. She didn't even think that. She's like, oh, someone's really studying hard. <laughs> were, you, uh, were you top bunk or bottom bunk? No, I was a body, bottom bunk. Um, mm. So I got there first bottom and bitch. that was great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so had my is pick. bottom bunk better than top bunk? Yeah, I think it's official it that bottom bunk has been it's top bunk. Right? When you're a kid, top bunk's Wait, fun. When, when you're a kid, you want top bunk because it's part of novelty. It's, it's the but same thing as cinemas and bus buses. When you're a kid, the back is cool, right? The back of the cinema, the, the back of the bus. The back of the cinema and back of the bus are still cool. No, no, no. You see the front <laughs> of the cinema? It hurts no, your eyes. No, like the, the best part is... Well, me, because I fucking always get in everyone's way. But the part just before the, the break. The part is causing other people misery. No, 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 to not do that. But, like, you know, if, you, if you're out at the back, you can't see as much yeah. of the screen. Like, I'm not saying where you hurt your neck, but the per the, the perfect spot's in the middle somewhere. I'm yeah, all right. about proximity to the exit so I can sneak out of Pierce halfway through Same. and get back really sure. And right on the side so I don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> so we're definitely in our fucking 30s, aren't we? You know what I mean? we got to get a spot. So I mean, yeah, that's why you wouldn't do top bunk. If you top that's what bunk I'm saying, exactly. In college, you're drinking, you have to get down a fucking ladder oh, every yeah. day. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. And you want to study? You want to fucking? I remember, the, uh, I remember really like hard. staying in youth hostels when I was going around the stage drinking and getting in a top bunk. And you've seen me like Winnie the Pooh trying to navigate a ladder at three in the morning. Just <laughs> oh bother! Like my dick hanging out of my shirt. Just, a just big like, tub of honey. Just <laughs> yeah, trying well, to try I don't want other people to eat my honey directly <laughs> on my back. Oh fuck! Yeah, but it's but when you're a kid, it's like clearly it cool like, to be yeah. up the top. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I was top bunk like the whole time. Yeah? yeah, yeah. Even now, I was in my twenties, and make hands <laughs> sleep on the bottom ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many people were in your dorm? Oh, like it was huge. So, like I, th oh, I don't even know, but like on my floor there was a hundred people, wow. and it was like seven seven floors. An um, international house is um, only international students. No, no. So we oh. had because um, they had local students as well. So my roommate Kristen, 
um, she had like done a semester in Berlin and like she's from San Francisco and then my other friend Kristen as well was also right. both Kristen's were American. <laughs> That's I don't know. Would you feel ripped off if or was that like a good thing if like, you're American? It was a good thing, I think, because there weren't a lot of places on campus that offered like half semester mm. um accommodation. Like usually it's just for the full year. So for those people that had done their own exchanges and like the other Kristen had gone to New Zealand. So yeah, and then it's just like meet and it's not as a not as partying of a frat, right? International house. Um, it wasn't a crazy frat. I mean, like we weren't like we weren't allowed You're to losers. technically drink <laughs> like in the like areas, but like we would. Right. And there was like a games room and everything, and I would. Oh, always you had games. You had board games. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I would have to sneak in and hide behind couches because they come and check all your IDs all the time. And everything. In the Do games room? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have like classic resident advisor who's like, I'm your friend, but like if you're drinking, I'm going to come down on you. Yeah. And like, I remember like banging on my resident advisor's door, like the first, um, like the first day that arrived. And I was like, where's the bubbler? <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, water, where do I get water? And then you came back to Australia <laughs> and you're like, it's a water fountain, mom. It's not a bubbler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did see this and because um, some of the frats that are known, like I think these are all frats, but some of the hazing that used to go on um, and I, I found it on Reddit, it was like, you know, which are the good frats at um, at Berkeley, which are the bad ones? And they rank them all and they're like, these are the good ones, mm-hmm. but they don't mean good. They mean good as in like cool because they're like, this is alpha caper, whatever. Um, all white guys, really racist, um, you know, big hulky meatheads, cool parties like that's like even the coolest ones are the most horrible ones right very rapey a lot of the comments Jeez. were and some of them are like do they still do real bad hazing and they're like uh yeah they still do the elephant walk and i'm like what's the elephant walk you know so i looked it up and it's someone, gonna be something with a penis right it's i mean that's probably the softest part of it so well um <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> no, <I'd hope> so. <laughs> <laughs> well the elephant walk a bunch of guys this is a hazing like ritual to get admitted a bunch of guys on their hands and knees form a circle um they reach behind they grab the erect penis of the guy behind and then they put their thumb of their other hand in the anus of the guy in front of them oh that sounds fun <laughs> they walk around in a circle to the we elephant we do that song. every week <laughs> i know we've done 150 episodes <laughs> of that, it's an icebreaker we <laughs> do at the start of every episode so that sort of shit goes on oh. and no wonder that there are these like places are like jesus yeah and then it's like and, and so in the, the the sororities are not are just as like bitchy and horrible right well, I don't know, but, like, the sororities are, like, really strict. Like, what I was saying, like, you can't drink and, like, you can't post on social media with you drinking and, like... It's really? Just, yeah, and they all, like, observe, like, yeah, there's really strict rules and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're not crazy Man- and cool. Mandatory, just- like, pillow fights and <laughs> <laughs> pajama parties. You have, to play, kind of you have to play Truth or Dare on Thursday. <laughs> just say yes. <laughs> I was just telling... <laughs> oh, my God, it's been the bottle Sunday. <laughs> I remember this dude, like when I said earlier that I went to the UCLA campus and we stayed just off campus, but would you know, you wander around and check the grounds out and stuff. And they had a nice um, area where you could go and they would have like any sort of you know, soccer ball, football, whatever you want. And that everyone's there throwing frisbees, throwing football around. And we found a rugby league ball and me and uh, my two mates are just like passing around, kicking it, having a great time. 
and this old mate had set up a massage table. And in retrospect, this dude was like, he would have been in his like late 20s, early 30s. He was an Australian guy. And he's just there being like, hell yeah, I'm going to pick up these college chicks. And so he's, he's like free mass sports massages for anyone. And like people are going and getting it. And because I had been Airbnb and I was literally sleeping on a hardwood floor in a sleeping bag. I was like, man, I can get a fucking massage. Went and got one, chatted to him for a bit. And then he was clearly like, all right, I don't want to massage dudes. I want to massage some chicks. And yeah. I was like, oh, thanks for the massage, man. And then proceeded to go down to him every day. And he just spotted <laughs> me Chief Wigan walking over to him. He's like, oh, no, not this guy again. Like, show me what those magic hands do, brother. Feel a little bit tense, bro. You <laughs> <laughs> see to keep you company, mate. Oh, I wanted funny. to mention one more place. It's not got anything to do with the university. It's, a, uh, it's called the Alternative Music Foundation. Uh, it's located at 924 Gilman Street, and most people simply call it Gilman. It's a non-profit, all-ages, collectively organized music club. And it's famous because it was basically the springboard for Green Day, Rancid, mm. AFI, The Offspring, and Operation Ivy. Like Holy it's fuck. a huge like part of Berkeley culture. It was established by this guy called Tim Johannan, who is like a, he was a punk rock fan, and he also had the zine. This was pre-internet when you had zines mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> called Maximum Rock and Roll. And by all a lot of accounts, huge elitist prick, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. that like has all these ideas about what punk is and isn't, will turn on people who don't do what he thinks his idea of punk is. Also very loud and abrasive, but also got this club to happen mm-hmm. and gave like a lot of people a home where they didn't. Because this is like a time where punk music has like gone from like kind of like the British working class radical left to kind of like straight edge culture, to skinhead culture, to now we're also Nazis and we're doing punk music and yep. hardcore music culture. And so some people are looking, it's also like slam dancing and like like brutal moshing is like an epidemic basically. And so people are kind of looking for somewhere where people can actually go and like dance or just mosh without getting fucking knifed in the yeah. heart. Uh <laughs> So this was a place that they established that they uh, raised the money and got volunteers and they built it all themselves. And they started putting on hardcore punk shows there and it like quickly became really popular. And then they, because they, they weren't a bar, so they couldn't get, so they didn't want to get closed down by the police. They had to have rules. Like, so they were like, it's a non-drinking place, no fighting. And so they basically had like a big spray painted um, sign that said like no racism, no sexism, no homophobia, no alcohol, no drugs, no fighting, no stage diving. And that was like their whole thing. Um, And basically a young band called Green Day, uh, they're they're crushing it in Berkeley. They're on a little label called Lookout Records, which is basically one guy in a small apartment room, kind of like this. He sleeps mm-hmm. in his podcast studio. <laughs> Imagine how cool it would be now if we rocked up and you just came out of a sleeping bag. You guys are on and top and bottom bunks yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And said, let's fucking record. So, like, it's his office, it's his home, and also people hang out there. Green Day, uh, Green Day are pretty popular at Gilman at the time, uh, but Green Day are getting pretty popular everywhere. And they kind of... Um, become like they they're one of the first people who launch lookout records and like get them selling a shit ton of records more than just a guy in his community notice board style (laughs) studio can do 
with his own hands. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm, so Green Day start getting all this major attention and they eventually get signed to, I believe it's Reprise Records. It's the, a major label. And that Green Day record the album Dookie, which mm-hmm. becomes maybe the biggest pop punk album of all time did in that, sales. Did that go down well with Mr. Elitist? No, it went very badly. <laughs> um, so basically after Green Day signed to Reprise Records, Gilman put up a rule, which was no major label bands can perform here. Oh, this okay. guy feels pretty pointed. Yeah, Billy Joe like, Armstrong to say. <laughs> well, yeah, someone said like Green Day is the reason it was put in. There was like there are friends. They grew up there. They played there all the time, but they didn't want. And I like I understand somewhat of where they're coming from. They said they don't want Gilman to be like a farmers league where you go to like purposely get courted by the big shots and become rock stars. Yeah, because they are still like anti-establishment people. It's not the cool pop punk we know today about like going to the mall. <laughs> yeah. like, right. And it, it, the Gilman guy ran the venue as well as the, yeah. it's a venue where people come and watch bands. Yeah. So he's, yeah, right. And like, uh, like so Maximum Rock and Roll is still going. Um, and, but like they fucking put out some like wild issues where like, I think their first issue like had, Ronald Reagan Photoshop with like a Ku Klux Klan um, hood on it. And then in June 1994, kind of in response to Green Day leaving and recording Dookie, they made an, a whole issue called like Major Labels. And it the cover was a guy putting a shotgun into his mouth. And I don't know how much you remember about Bud music Dwyer? history, but this is pretty closely after a young man named Kurt oh, Cobain fuck. did exactly the ah. same thing. Ah. So a lot of people were saying like signing to a major label is suicide and then they're linking it to Kurt Cobain. It's kind of a shitty thing to yeah. do. Yeah. And <laughs> it's but, like these guys are trying to be successful. Like yeah. it's so fucking Yeah. So but they basically like, they turn on Green Day in like a major way and they're like they're fucking sellouts, they're fucking losers, fuck Green Day. But was Duke Dookie's not like a sellout like it's still pretty pop punk, right? It's not like yeah, it's pop punk, but it's it's the on a major label, pop. and yeah. like it also sold like millions and millions of copies. Like a Green Day show, like when Dookie would come out, would fill that place in like two seconds. Right, so but they, was it were they just punk, and then they then they like I didn't know if they changed. Well, it's their just tune. mad that they're selling. Yeah, records. That, I mean it's crazy to be mad that someone's successful. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the nineties yeah, in a, a nutshell, like yeah. anti-seller. It's culture. the whole yeah, it's anti-seller culture essentially. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Billy, oh ben, Billy Joe fires back at them in in spin. He said, "Tim Yohannan can go and suck his own dick for all I care." Doesn't know what the fuck he's talking his about. It's huge. And he <laughs> could suck it. I've never waved a punk rock flag in my life. So a lot of these people who like was selling records because like Green Day were like, we actually want to like, we want to be a successful we, we, band. You can be someone who just plays basement shows and lives and is I'm straight edge. We want to be the biggest band in the I world. I want to stop yeah. working at a fucking petrol yeah. station. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or a gas station. So yeah, <laughs> and Green Day released a couple of songs about it uh, on Insomniac, the album after Dookie. They released a song called 86, which was all about their band from Gilman. And then the album Nimrod had a few songs that were essentially just like saying, fuck Tim Yohannan. Right. And Christ. eventually the club closed down because it kind of fell into disrepair. But then I think... Because anyone with any talent, they're like, you're not allowed to play here anymore. <laughs> People like your music, we're well, sell out. And then collectively it was bought back by like a co-op and now it still exists. Wow. Uh, and this is in so this is in downtown like is there a downtown Berkeley like it's in Berkeley but it's not in the college West Berkeley about a mile and a half west of the North Berkeley BART station right. so you'd never heard of this club or anything no. oh, interesting but you, so is th- there is a Berkeley suburb like Berkeley is a suburb as well right but you wouldn't go there for yeah, listen to Green Day yeah. stuff like that <laughs> 
<laughs> like I just went on campus. Really. Right, 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 right. Okay, um, but it sounds like it's a pretty big like. Yeah, like I, I think I think Billy Joe city, Armstrong. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, know. but I think he went to Berkeley as well. I yeah, think yeah. Be, he yeah. would have dropped out, I think. Yes. Once uh, Green Day became huge, but yeah, that's wow. the story of Gilman. Fuck. There we go. A lot of that was cribbed from a very cool book called Sellout by Dan Ozzy. So. Read it. Is it cool? Did he sell a lot of copies? (laughs) 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 I hope he did. It's a great book. Um, I've got, I don't really have other things to do. There is a couple other little stupid facts. Did you hear, is there a, um, do you know about 4.0 Hill? There's apparently a hill at Berkeley that if you roll down it, your grades will improve. (laughs) That was like, the, like a hike up to the big sea or something. Yeah, you yeah, go yeah, all yeah, the way yeah, up yeah. and then you like see the there's sea. There's a and that one. yeah, and there's uh and is that where you can see the stadium as well? Yeah, there's yeah, a thing yeah. called um a tightwad hill, which is where you can like go up this hill and watch and look over. You're not in the stadium, but you're above the stadium, oh, right. and so all the people do that instead of paying for that tickets. Rocks. Yeah, that yes. sounds fun. That is pretty cool, right? Like Alt J were playing one weekend or something, and a bunch of people were just gonna go um, watch it from. Like from the hill, hill. Yeah. yeah, that's that rules. Um, I did see when you get your um, your uh, PhD dissertation submitted into Berkeley, they give you a lollipop, which is quite what? weird. Yeah, like and a every, big one, like a, just a little lollipop, uh, and like, like during went to the doctor. Yeah, as a kid. yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing your PhD, like four years or whatever, five, whatever it is, and like during COVID, um, they weren't allowed to submit them in person, so people were mailing in their um their PhDs and they weren't getting the lollipop and they all got really mad. Okay. And so they, the university had to start <laughs> and mailing they the lollipop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was the riot that Sav's <laughs> missed out on. Um, and I did see this. I mean, this is just sort of, un- I forgot to mention this before, but like there's like Berkeley has won either students or alumni 51 Nobel Prizes and there's actually Fuck. special parking yeah. spots. <laughs> Reserved for Nobel Prize winners only. Yeah, what a yeah. fucking big dick park. <laughs> yeah. It's like you reverse it in as well. You, know? <laughs> you got your little <laughs> sign on the windscreen. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because they took us on a tour and they were like, oh, the Nobel Prize winner's parking spot. And I was like, looking at a parking spot. Yeah, I know. I yeah. feel like that's definitely like a... And that's great. Like they've got vending machines and they're like, if you put your Nobel Prize in, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. you get three <laughs> cents off a yeah. Coke. Free toffee <laughs> apple. Um, maybe instead of an itinerary of if someone's visiting, we should ask Sabs of a, a typical day when you were there. A university day. Mm. A college day. Day in the life of a college, yeah. Yeah. So I would wake up. I had like an 8.30 and I feel like it's like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, thank you. I, like, I had never like lived on campus. So I was like, oh, I don't have to do the one hour commute or whatever. Yeah. I'll always be on time to class. I like slept through that class so many times. Yeah. I didn't attend. Yeah. Um, didn't attend uh, like, yeah, your yeah. study of Boston Legal or whatever the <laughs> fucking stupid course it was. Oh, that was Gumby 101. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did that and then would like go and have lunch and then... It's a busy day so far. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep in, have lunch. <laughs> if I went to class, I would go and have lunch and then I'd probably have another class and then I would go home and nap. <laughs> Okay. And then I would go to the gym and then I would go to dinner. And then if it was like a Friday night, like 6 p.m., we're going out. Or like most nights, to be honest. Um, Get ready. House party? 
Yeah, so it's either like a road trip, like on Friday nights, we would like drive up to Yosemite or like up to Tahoe. Like literally, I like rarely spent a weekend like in Berkeley because like where it is, is just so close to, you know, yeah. So you go to (laughs) Nevada or you go, Mm. um, it it was just like such a good spot. What's that place at um, Joshua Tree? Did you go there? I I went to Joshua Tree. So I did that on like my big road trip. Um, Another weekend we went to um, Santa Barbara. Um, So it was, yeah, just really like get ready, go out, go on a trip. Went to Vegas. Play the Simpsons pokies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best pokey ever. Yeah. Uh, but Vegas, yeah. Vegas was insane. That was, um, but then right. it would be house parties um, other way, other ways, or frat parties yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And like, um, I don't know, just classic, like you go get in and out or like, um, yeah, just. Yeah. Standard. Sounds really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that eight thing. Oh, and then like if it wasn't, okay. So that was like a good, like a weekend. But if it was like. I'm actually studying. It's like, okay, dinner. And then I'm like studying in the computer room till like midnight drinking Starbucks, <laughs> like at 9 p.m. Like it was, yeah. You're just Th- a that typical. Was, that yeah, was, yeah. Basically. The other side, <laughs> the other side to it. All right. And there then we go. final question, Kirk. I don't know the answer to this. Ah, with <laughs> everything you could ever achieve is... Uh, You've done everything. The thing about Berkeley has become a best-selling book. <laughs> You're the top lawyer dog around. <laughs> With all that is said and done, would you settle down in Berkeley? Um, not Berkeley, but San Francisco would. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. There we go. I oh, know she city. loves it. Buy one of those painted ladies' houses. Do it up. I mean, one of them's for sale. I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> on Silo.com. One of them's for sale, four I million dollars. I guess we got a Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we take that to the bank. Yeah. Well, well we speaking of Kirk, yeah, we have a Patreon now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we could. It'll probably be on our link tree on our Instagram, but you can obviously search Community Notice Board on Patreon.com, and there you can pay money. To access bonus content, wow, that, is, that you know, red hot. It's stuff. red hot. We're yeah. fucking. There's no shackles on us. We're just doing the <laughs> stupidest yeah. fucking it's, stories. It's all libel all the time. It's all <laughs> and you libel. better believe we record it totally nude. <laughs> <laughs> the cameras are off. Yeah, we never <laughs> pointed out. Unless but you we pay are just for the top tier because we're more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. You can hear it. There's uh, a lot of giggling. What else? <laughs> <laughs> Flicking. Uh, uh, um, Sabs, what do you want to plug? Yeah. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It's a bit of a fan account at Whitebait Online. Yeah. There'll be less content of me and probably more of Alex's show. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes. I'm gonna slowly push all my photos of me and Sabs down and, and photos of me bombing at gigs up. So Yes, yeah. there you go. Well, speaking awesome. of, when is, what's the date? 14th, 17th, 18th September. I'm just going to fucking annoy everyone. What so d- please come along. Is, which one of those will be like a Friday or a Thursday? Thursday 14th, Saturday 17th, Sunday 18th, 9.30 and the Sunday's at 8.30. Um, come along. Thursday's the one I'm a bit worried about. I think Saturday will be fine and whatever Sunday. Right. I don't I'm know. I'm coming to Thursday. Come so along. If you come hang. Yeah, come along. Maybe Anyone I'll listens. Come. Maybe Hell the yeah. boys will come. Maybe I'll let them in. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll sit them up the back. We can no. open. <laughs> It'll be fun. Maybe I'll do bits about them. Who knows? I'll write some bits. Um, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, check it out. And yeah. I'll really come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, that's what's on the Patreon. That's all the stuff, guys. Yeah. No, and and uh, yeah, subscribe to the Patreon. Right. There we go. We're gonna and we got all the right regular now. stuff. Find us on social media, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And thank you so much, Thanks, Sabs, for coming uh, on. And all about Berkeley. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.